Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Deep Cuts. We're doing our first show for uh, March. Um, for those of you who don't know, Deep Cuts is uh, all about interviewing different people from the industry, cigar industry mostly, but different lifestyle industries and just learning how they conduct their business and how they got their start and just how they put their products out in the market. Um, so today we have a very special guest, Stephen Lampert. I met him when I was in Vegas a couple of weeks ago for a trade show, and he seems to have a very interesting story. I've kind of been poking around his website today, trying to get an idea of uh, how he got his start, but you're getting ready to hear from the man himself. So let me pull up our guests. Stephen, how are you? Hi, how are you? Now, do you pronounce your name Stephen or is it Stefan or how is Stefan. You... Stefan. 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 Okay. Yes. I'll remember that because I was a big uh, Family Matters. <laughs> family Matters fan. So uh, Stefan was a big character on, on Family Matters. So I'll, I'll, they'll be easy to remember. But I uh, want to welcome you to the show and thank you for coming on. Yeah, thank you very much for yeah for this doing this great show and yeah for um, that I can be part of that show. Thank you. Yeah, so like I said, last time I saw you, we were both in Vegas. I forget what day of the show I saw you. So you were probably like me. It was probably a little drained at that point of the day. Either yeah. way, it was like later in the day. So um, I, I, the trade show experience is like you never get enough time to speak to people. So I love that we are going to have. True. A good hour um, speak today, and not for me to get to know your story. Yes, hundred percent. Feel free to ask me anything that you want. <laughs> oh, well, don't say that because people get in trouble when they say that. But I, I'll, <laughs> ask good, I'll ask the good questions. So, you know, I was looking at your website today, and I'm always curious of how people got their start because uh, I know your website says you are is they. Uh, it positions you as the Austrian lawyer. So how does a lawyer get into the cigar business is what I want to know. Huh, that's a good question. So yeah, you're right. I'm a lawyer uh, licensed in Austria and I'm still practicing. And yeah, so smoking cigars has always been one of my hobbies and it still is apparently. Uh, so how it started, it's like, uh, so my clients usually smoke cigars. So uh, what I did, I thought, oh, hey, let's make some uh, cigars for my clients that I can smoke. And yeah, my clients can smoke. And yeah, so I started like a little, little, super, super small production uh, in Costa Rica. It was very hard for me at the beginning to find a factory to do like that kind of small amounts, like 1,000 uh, cigars. Finally, we found one. And so I did the importation um, and then I gave it to my clients and they're like, oh, wow, this is uh, good stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And then like, hey, can I buy that? Like uh, the next uh, meeting I said, yeah, well, you know, it's just for my private. Uh, I'm not doing it like commercial. Uh, and another client kept asking like, hey, uh, can I buy it? I said, well, nah, not really. It's just like, uh, you know, when we have like conversation and then. So another client keeps asking, like, hey, okay, so this is going to be good. So what I did, I just opened like a small LLC from, and then I, I took it from there. That's how we started. So you were talking about you went to Costa Rica looking for a factory to help you 
bring this product to market? Did you have an idea in your head what kind of cigar you wanted to create? Like, were you making it based on your palate and what you like in a cigar? Or were you can just kind of like, make me whatever you, you can make? No, like the, so the first cigar was like 100% based on my palate. And like, so I made some notes what I'm looking for. I smoked like uh, so many cigars and I made like notes of that flavor I don't like, this I don't like, this I like. And with that profile, with that sheet, I still have it on my computer. I went from factory to factory. Hey, can you make, uh, can you make a cigar like that? That's what I'm looking for. And yeah, many factories turned me down because, you know, I was like a very small uh, fish. And uh, finally, I found one and that's how we get started. On your website, it talked about how you were in Thailand 2016 and you kind of got this idea to create a cigar. And it was inspired by the idea of people get tailor-made suits all the time and you wanted to create a tailor-made cigar which i thought was like a really interesting way of thinking about it because if anybody who who wears who's in the business of having to wear a suit knows it's very important to get your suits tailored <laughs> because exactly. you need to fit your yeah, body so, your, um, your palate how, how this uh happened it's like yes in thailand yeah so i was in thailand uh usually you know when i'm in thailand you get a suit done right so I went like to an island like Kosamui, and when I was there, I was like, hmm, you know, they make like the tailors make like everything custom made, whatever you want. I was like, and I was smoking a cigar, and I was like, okay, can you do that with a cigar? And so I kept smoking cigars, made some notes, what I like, what I dislike, uh, what I don't like, and then like how the idea got started um i was like hey you, you know what what would be crazy to have like my own cigar band on my cigar uh, because a tailor can do that too because you have the initials in the shirts so i was like okay let's do that with the cigaring and so the idea comes um yeah comes closer and closer and um the first project actually i started was like um I made like a website uh, where you can customize your cigar like on a virtual way. Uh, so that's how um, yeah, that's how we got started, actually. Now, and obviously, you said you're a lawyer. So when you created your cigar brand, you created the LLC first. Is that how you kind of started your company? Uh, yes, um, exactly. Um, so we created the LLC in a country next to Switzerland. It's called uh, Liechtenstein, very small country. Not many people know it, but uh, yeah, that's uh, how we get started. Um, yeah, it's next to Austria. Uh, yeah, the reason why, because uh, in Switzerland or Liechtenstein, you were like, you allowed to like open that kind of business, whereas like in Austria, it's super regulated and it's almost impossible to do that as like a super small company. So as you kind of went from being just a cigar smoker to a brand owner, what was that transition like? Cause I'm pretty sure it wasn't, most people I've talked to it, they said it's not as uh, easy of a transition to make uh, as they may have thought it would, would be at the beginning. Oh yeah, hundred percent agree. Like. Uh, once you grow and uh, you want to establish your brand, there's like so much work behind the scene, which like usually the consumer uh, doesn't know because he just has like a very good cigar in his hand, but 
behind that there are like so many steps and so much work like nowadays like keeping the supply chain rolling that's like a massive work because uh, you have to coordinate with so many people you have to work with like with so many different countries different uh, nationalities and so everything goes smooth because once there's somewhere like a hole it messes you up like uh, it gets delays and everyone gets angry like that's really really hard to um to keep that going so what what surprised you the most when you finally got into the business side of the cigar industry uh what surprised me most um like the the people the the mentality it's like uh different compared to like where i came from from europe it's different mentality but you uh you learn uh how these people think how these people work it's completely like different and yeah that yeah that's actually yeah the main point so what was the biggest challenge once you created this company you got the llc so you got all the legal stuff out of the way you figured out you know what kind of cigar blend you wanted to do what was the what was the biggest challenge of getting this you know taking this from being just like a personal uh product that you were going to give out to clients to suddenly being a brand that was going to be in the market yeah so the the biggest i think the biggest challenge is like how because how can you establish your brand in uh, certain countries that's a really really a uh, tough challenge because there are so many cigar brands around so what makes you like unique compared to the artists or how can you like just like be like in that country that's like i think uh it's not just me i think most uh, all of the brand owner think the same it's like how can i establish a brand in a certain country that's like that that's the that's a challenge because uh for instance, like, uh, so you, you don't start like with many Vitolas. Usually at the beginning, you start like with one, two, three Vitolas. But you know, there are certain countries, they have like, they focus on that Vitola or that cigar shape. And then you have a country that focusing totally on a different shape. It's like, okay, I don't have that in portfolio. Uh, if I go in, let's say with uh, Toro in that country, it's gonna be tough because these people don't like to smoke uh, that kind of uh, Vitola. So it's also like you have to know the, the habits of the people, like what what size do they like to smoke? And like it's market, it's like research, marketing research, like how can I like, what are the people looking for? Yeah, so that's one of the challenges. So what part of the whole cigar business process is it the making of the cigars or is it being out amongst all the people what part of this whole process is like your favorite part like which part do you enjoy the most i enjoy like uh every part because uh then you never get bored because once you have that part you get to the next part it's like a rotation uh so i don't have like any favorite part of it i like uh, i think if you just like focus on one part at some point you get bored um mm -hmm. you just have to do like different parts that makes like that makes it like uh, exciting that's what i'm thinking so tell us about making that first lampert blend the first very first blend what was the process like 
So the first blend, um, our first blender was Indiana Rates. She she did a great job. Uh, she, she blended the cigar. We trusted her. That was um, our initial start when we hit the U.S. Before that, we had some other blends already established in Europe. Um, so just for your understanding, we started first in Europe, in Switzerland, and then we moved uh, to the States. We've got a great distributor, does a fantastic job. Uh, and so that's uh, how, like, how we started. Like, usually because uh, usually it's from the united states to europe but here it's like from europe to the united states like the opposite yeah like i said yeah. i think that's another interesting thing because you seem to have focused obviously on that european market which is completely different from the u.s market so it was yes. probably i would think a little bit more challenging because i think the u.s market is you have a lot of different tastes and palettes but Europe itself, like you said, every country and every region has a completely different palette and a, a completely different relationship with cigars than what's what's here in the U.S. Yes, yes, you're right. So in Europe, for instance, like uh, there are certain countries like they love like short robustos that format, but in the states they love toros, in my opinion. So it's completely like the opposite, like. Uh, so, uh, so you have to focus like on like on both vitola. So you just have to know how to play like with the with the cigar sizes that you get like uh, that you can establish like in one country. That's like very no, it's very interesting as you said. And and in Europe, it's like each country different uh, taste, different palate. It's like poof, you have to yeah, you have to match that kind of a kind of a way. So at what point did you decide it was time for you to start thinking about getting into the U.S. market? So the U.S. market is like the biggest market uh, in the world. Uh, and I think it's, uh, yeah, it's a great, I think, yeah, it's the best market. And yeah, at some point, if you want to grow, you have to be in the U.S. market. Otherwise, there's no chance. U.S. it is. So at what point did you know that you were ready for the U.S. market? Because it seems like Europe was kind of like your testing ground to build up your brand and to really work out the kinks. And then finally, I'm, I'm guessing that there was some point where you finally like, I think we're ready for the U.S. now. Yeah. So um, in my opinion, like when I knew I have like a very good factories behind me, they have like very, very great quality and very stable. Um, I have a great team behind me. I had the supply chain is working because we have done this like, I don't know, 50, 60 times. It's going to be the same for the U.S. So everything's going to be a routine. Um, the factory uh, can do the capacity. They have great quality. Uh, the label printing works. Uh, the shipping works because we know already like step. We know every step how it's going to work because we have done it in Europe, like, uh, I don't know, hundreds of times. So I know like, okay, now we, we are ready for the States because we, uh, cause when you are in the States, you, you know, you want to, you want to rock. You don't, uh, you know, you don't want to have any issues when you start. So it has to like work. And that, then I, then I knew, okay, I'm ready for the States. So how did you find a distributor to work with for the States? 
I found a distributor through uh, through the factory. They introduced me to the uh, distributor. I sent him uh, samples. Uh, he tried. Uh, we start talking and yeah, and then we started with an initial order and yeah, and we kept growing together. So what's it like managing your brand basically across, across the globe? Because obviously you can't be everywhere at the same time. So how do you manage, watch things happening in the, in the factories and watch how things are going in the US? Like, how do you stay on top of all that? So the most important thing, in my opinion, is like you, you need people that you can trust. Um, People that you can trust, like if you're not there, that they are doing like a good job, the same job as I would do. That's I think that's the key uh, for uh, for the success. You 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 need uh, you need to have people that you can trust. So the factory I can trust. You're right. I cannot be like everywhere in the world, um, but I have to have like the the key person, uh, like the key contact person that I know I can talk to, and he will solve it if there is an issue like the importer, for instance, um, or I know like the factory manager, if there is an issue, it's just like, it's all about the people in that industry. Yeah, and like I said, you're talking about different people who've helped and you talked about working with um, Indiana Ortez. So I know that she's like a pretty, she's very modest, like if you speak to her, about her blending skills, but I think she's pretty well up there already about the cigars that she's um, worked on for different companies. So what was it like working with her? Yeah, it, it, it was, it was fantastic. Um, I mean, um, we work now with Agro Tobacco's, uh, the factory. Uh, it's a fantastic factory. We, uh, everyone knows now she's working at Mombacho, but we still keep uh, working with, uh, with Agro Tobacco's. A fantastic factory, st fantastic quality, and very, very reliable, which is very, very important. Uh, now, I was looking at your website, and you have all these wonderful pictures of tobacco fields, and I would, I would think some of those maybe were in Nicaragua. But yes. talk about how important it is to actually go to the fields and go to the factories, because I know a lot of people, uh, consumers, who are, who are watching this or who will be listening to this in playback mode, um, they don't always get to go to the factories and they don't get to go to the, the tobacco fields. So what's that experience like and why is it so important to kind of put yourself there where all the action happens? It's super important. It's like uh, for quality assurance, it's like very important. You have to be there. You have to be present. You have to see the, uh, the process if everything goes smooth. So I'm there like on a regular basis on, uh, on every factory. It's like I'm traveling, the moment traveling the world, like uh, in a circle, going Nicaragua, United States, back to Europe again, again, again. That's like uh, how it's uh, how it works. So, so you yeah. probably have a lot of frequent flyer miles. <laughs> oh, yeah, I have a lot. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always get free upgrades. Yeah. <laughs> what was it like then? I mean, for for you, if traveling and being in these fields and factories is so important, what was it like, kind of working through the pandemic? Because travel wasn't as easy for the last two years, and it's just getting back to a and kind of pre-pandemic 
area where it's kind of easier to kind of jump in between countries yeah yeah so traveling uh during the pandemic was really hard i couldn't travel i think that was the only time for like six to eight months because every country had like its specific rule and it was impossible to enter that country for instance the united states so i think uh the united states blocked like european citizens for like i don't know one and a half years so we couldn't go in there was mm -hmm. a big uh issue so we couldn't go to the clients uh i mean i couldn't go because i'm not a u.s citizen and also like every country also within europe it's like every country had its different rules so for instance you couldn't travel to germany even if it's the even if it's like 10 minutes away because they blocked the borders it was really really a uh, hard time that's why you need people that you can trust and uh yeah we are lucky we have great people working for us uh or we are like working with them our business partners super reliable uh that's how that's yeah that's how we can grow i mean you, you talked about how important it is to to find people you can trust and obviously you're in a profession being a lawyer <laughs> of yeah. dealing with people and trust issues and stuff what's your advice to people about finding like finding the right people and right business partners because i'm sure a lot of people kind of get in trouble you know just jumping into a business relationship without really thinking it through and then finding themselves in a very bad position yeah. so my advice do a very good due diligence on them that's my advice as a lawyer do a due diligence and um usually your first thought is the uh, the, the correct one what you so about like to say go with them so it's like that gut instinct is pretty important yes yes if you feel like something is dodgy yeah stay away, stay away. yeah that's that's just my advice yeah you do do your due diligence and usually your first impression yeah so so you launched your company in 2016. So it's been a while around for quite a while. Do you feel like you've made it or do you feel like there's still things that, you know, that you want to accomplish with this brand? Like, where are you in the oh, process? Oh, there's always room to grow. You know, we are trying to grow this, you know, never stops. You know, you can grow all the time. It's uh, for me, it's still like we are in process you know it's like uh not, i mean we have reached a lot but we you know you can always uh, do better you know you can always try to reach more that that's my attitude you know never give up work hard work work harder like try to reach even more even if it's possible try to do it and you know even then you can you can do it now i know you have social media so how has social media kind of helped you build your brand yeah, social media, like especially Instagram, uh, helped helped us a lot to stay in touch with our uh, our consumers, with our um, our people. Uh, it's fun, it's fantastic. I mean, we know it's like difficult because you 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 cannot do promotions because you get blocked. That's mm -hmm. what I know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it happened to us once. Yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, it's great, you know, to stay in touch with your people because many people reach out, they have questions about the blend and uh, what, uh, you know, they just give us a feedback. So we reach out to them. Hey, what do you think about this cigar? What about the flavors? Uh, what do you think we can improve? Or, yeah, it's like 
we, we stay in touch with our people. It's funny because like when you do a, a social media search on Lampert, I mean, you all are kind of everywhere. I know that, I don't know if you feel like that, but I looked around. I mean, I, I know Small Batch Cigars has like a nice little sampler of Lampert stuff right now. And people are posting pictures all the time. So how does that feel to just kind of see, you know, your baby, <laughs> this this brand? like uh, starting to, to catch on here in the U.S. and all over the world, for that matter. It's fantastic. I mean, uh, it makes me happy. It makes me, like, happy that the people, you know, like the cigars, that, that they are, like, behind the cigar, and, you know, they are just supporting us, and we try to support as much as possible and to, you know, to get, like, the, uh, the people's need, what they are looking for, like, what flavor profile and, it's fantastic to see that every day on Instagram, like every morning when I see it, you know, because time is it's like, hey, great. Uh, it's great. And yeah, fantastic. So, I mean, you mentioned how great it is to feel, to see that feedback, to see the pictures and to see the, the reviews and the videos that come out about it. Um, I guess I want to know why, you know, why launch, like, why are you still in this cigar business. And I ask that because I feel like a lot of people, consumers, they when they see the brand owners, they think they're in it. You know, brand owners are in it just to make the money. And I've yet to m meet a brand owner that <laughs> that says like they're they're rolling in the money that's coming in from, you know, their cigar brand. So what's your motivation? What's your what's the the fuel behind the passion um for being in a business? No, it's like, you know, uh smoking uh smoking cigars connects uh it's my passion i love what i am doing you know uh if i just want to do it for money i can you know i can be a lawyer you know it's uh, easier yeah uh but you know actually working like with that uh, like with with that community smoking community around the world like you know so many nationalities like from i don't know germans americans um Nicaragua, Costa Rica, Dominican Republic, Spain, France, like everywhere in the world, just, you know, to connect and uh, it's, it's fantastic. So it's just one of the things is uh, passion. Uh, that's why I'm still on, like, I'm doing like main of the, the more thing of my company I'm doing by myself, like, because I'm checking, I want to be sure 100%, you know, everything is 100% correct. Like, that's, yeah, that's what I stand for. No money I mean, business. <laughs> and, and your name is, I mean, uh, on the brand. So obviously, I mean, you take a lot of pride in this product and it's different for you. So talk about how, what it's like, like you said, to kind of take on lots of the responsibilities of carrying the brand. Like there's not a big team, I would think, you know, managing all these different parts of the uh, Lampert cigars. It seems like you're like the probably the marketing person, the financial person, the the face of the brand. No, we we have we have a team uh, behind it. Uh, we are just updating our uh, website to show the team because obviously I cannot do everything. So there, mm -hmm. there is a not a big team, a little a little team of six people behind it, uh, and they are doing a great job, doing a lot of. Uh, work like uh social media or like uh the boring stuff like the bookkeeping and yeah yeah there are like a couple of people behind it it's not just me otherwise i cannot do it 
how long did it take for you to expand your team beyond just you? Uh, after the third year, after the third year, yeah. Then we started uh, extending uh, our team uh, because at some point you uh, you feel like you cannot, you know, you have to clone yourself and that's impossible at the moment. Uh, so you, you have to uh, hire someone, you just need help, like... Uh, Otherwise, you, you cannot grow because, you know, uh, everything will be like so slow because uh, you cannot do everything uh, that you want to do on time. So that's uh, that's why we uh, ex- uh, extended. Yes. Do you think you're good at or have been good at delegating different tasks to other people now? Or did you struggle with that at first? Because, like I said, this is like Lampert cigars. So were you kind of thinking we have to do it like this or what at what point did you were you able to let go of certain things and say here team no, member do this <laughs> no uh look look to uh to be honest when we create the blend uh so what what we usually do uh now is like um i get uh i get some sample cigars i made some sample cigars i mean if i like them or if i don't like them i still uh get them get them to the team get them to people that I trust and uh, and ask them, hey, what do you think about this cigar? And sometimes, you know, even if I like a cigar, it could be like, okay, I have a very strange palate uh, at that point. Uh, let the people decide what they think. Like, uh, and it's not just like my taste or my palate. It's like, I get, I try to get as many opinions as possible. So we have like a little uh, tasting panel with like mm-hmm. certain uh, certain people on it, they give me like their honest opinion uh, about um, the cigar that we uh, were thinking of like uh, releasing like a new line and before like, and they just like give us like, yeah, their honest thoughts about it. That's how it works. It's not just my palate. But that, that, so that feedback is important for you to kind of continue to evolve and and grow your company. It's super important. Like, uh, very important and uh you know we always look for uh people on that panel they can just reach out to us on instagram and uh we will just send them um once we approve them like random uh random cigars and just to get their feedback sometimes you know uh some cigar maybe it's not uh from us it's just like to see you know uh what they think so I know at, at TPE you had, you were introducing like a new Lampert cigar. Um, tell us a little bit about that that latest release that just came out. Yeah, so the latest release, Edición Rojo. Rojo means red. It's a red line. Uh, it's a it's like a Connecticut wrapper, binder, filler, Nicaragua. Super smooth, no sourness, nothing like very like sweet wrapper uh made in nicaragua comes in a 20 count boxes uh we have like short robusto robusto and toro available uh, like the release at tp was like fantastic like we we got sold out like uh so no stocks uh now the us is waiting for a refill and we'll be like in the next two three uh, two weeks i guess wow yeah yeah what we are super happy 
so out of all the cigars that you've blended so far or, or have helped create, has there is there one cigar in the Lampert portfolio that stands out to you as like a favorite? Huh, a good question. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's like, uh, I would say in the morning, I would smoke, I prefer to smoke a Rocco. Uh, in the afternoon, I would prefer to smoke a Rocco. And in the evening, because it's a stronger one, I would smoke the Azul, the blue line, because it's like a bit uh, heavier. Uh, but as of now, if if I have to choose one cigar, I would choose the uh, Rocco at the moment, because it's super smooth. Uh, you can smoke more than one a day. You can smoke three. And yeah, I think I'm one of the best customers at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> so what... In your opinion, what makes a, a good cigar? Like what kind of characteristics or qualities do, do you kind of look for? I mean, in, in general, I would say um, it's very hard to say what's a good and bad cigars. I think that's, but that's my opinion. Uh, so if the construction is great, um, the construction and everything, the cigar itself, like it's very well made it's a good cigar even if i don't like the flavors because it's like very subjective so that's like you know when there are like certain cigars on the market and the construction is like uh good and it's it's just me that i don't like the flavors i, I would never say it's a bad cigar it's just like it's not my profile it's like you know uh, person a likes i don't know a ferrari person b likes bmw person c likes a mercedes it's different, it's different taste and all of them are good cars, right? Mm -hmm. So you cannot really say like, uh, this cigar is, is not good. I mean, you can say it's not good because it doesn't, uh, it's not good for, uh, because I have a different uh, profile, a different palette. I don't like, I don't like the flavors, but if the construction, it's well constructed, I think it's still a good cigar because, you know, tastes are different. I always say that. That's why I, I struggle. I, people are probably tired of me saying this on the show, but that's why I'm tired of like certain types of cigar reviews because I feel like, you know, you shouldn't buy a cigar based on somebody else's palate. Like you should go out and buy the cigar and smoke it yourself and see if you like it because they're rating it and, and reviewing it based on their preferences. And yet their preferences may not necessarily be what your preferences are. Yes. Yeah, you're completely right. Yes, it's because it's about your, uh, yeah, your, it's about your pre uh, preference, not about other preferences. Yes, correct. Totally agree with that. Now, is there, I like to ask this question, especially for people like you who kind of came into this industry, kind of not from like the whole family lineage thing. Um, so as now that you've been in the industry for a while, What's your favorite thing about the, the cigar industry and working with the cigar industry? And what's kind of a pet peeve? I won't say your least favorite, but what's a pet peeve that kind of gets on your nerves of, or something that you wish you could change about the industry? Uh, that's, um, that's a good question. Huh. Uh, I mean, uh, one... The greater thing, as I said, is like working with uh, with like with the people, uh, with the community. That's fantastic. It's like uh, that always like makes me happy. 
but one um one of the not so good things is like poof that's i think there are, there are many things that are not that great uh, uh but just you know uh, nobody talks about it um regarding uh any specific uh like regarding your any specific that i don't like or just like in general just in general like is there is there one like pet peeve like when i asked this question a couple weeks ago to somebody they said you know when they walk in a humidor and somebody they see customers like squeezing cigars and they say why do they why are they squeezing the cigars that's weird um so it could be something as small as that or it could be something bigger it could be you know any of the thousands of hot topics right now that are kind of <laughs> swarming the, the cigar industry as we know it. Oh yeah, but uh, yeah, that, that's that, that's actually what many people do, like squeezing the cigars when they go walk in the humidor. Right? I, I think people, I think like, I think they're trying to, well, I don't know what they're trying to do, but I know for some people it could be, they're trying to see if it's properly feel like if there's any soft spots or, or it's like a quality control thing, but it still looks weird. I think, I don't think people uh, understand that particular person that understand why people were doing it. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, yeah, I've seen it. I mean, uh, th there are also like people, you know, walking into the humidor and, you know, removing the cellophane, uh, putting the cigar in their mouth and putting it back. And, uh, you oh, know, no. also, <laughs> yeah, I've, seen, I've, I've seen that too. Yeah. And I was like, uh, uh, my friend, uh, you just bought that cigar. Exactly. Like, Why? Why? No, I just want to test the draw. It's like, well, you know, what do you expect? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. now you're going to buy it. Like, not, yeah. especially in the age of COVID. Like, there's, there's so many things I feel like we did, that we all used to do before COVID that now, like, when we sit back and look at it, we're like, that made absolutely no sense. Like, <laughs> yeah. I know, I know. I mean, I had once, like, what, like, two years ago, like, a tasting event that was, like, uh, super weird. So we were, like, sitting on a, a table, and there was that guy. He came, like, oh, like, I'm, like, uh, he knows everything about cigars. And what he did, like, he took a Robusto, put it in his mouth, and said, I don't like it. I said, why? What's the problem? It has a bad draw. I said, yeah, but you didn't even cut it. <laughs> yeah, so what? I said, yeah, well, you know, how would you know? Oh, that's how it works. I was like, okay. Uh, and then what he did next, he he, uh, he asked the waiter, hey, can I have a toothpick? And then he's like, with a toothpick, he made like this tiny hole. And then he was like, oh, very bad draw. I was like, you know, you're going to be joking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, Lord. Yeah. That, I think that goes to the whole bit about the importance of education in the industry, <laughs> like, yeah. like how properly anything, even as simple as even how to cut a cigar. Cause some people don't, don't get it. They don't know. Like, I think when you, when you first are starting out with cigars, I know like I would cut too much of the, of the, the tip of the cigar off and people are like, you don't need to cut that much. You only need to cut that tiny little, little, you know, and they showed, yeah. you know, a little ring, like you only need to cut that part off. You don't need to cut like half, you know, a quarter of the cigar off. You're like, oh, so I think that yeah. things like that we all take for granted. Once you get in the industry, you you know, you're like, oh, I, like we know how to properly, you know, draw test a cigar and the cut or is important. But there are people who who simply don't know that, and that kind of goes to the whole education bit that we have to teach people how to in better um, 
take care of the product and how to enjoy the product and how to yeah, consume or like, Yeah, or like when you finish the cigar, like uh, you just put it in the ashtray. You know, some people treat it like a cigarette. Yeah, and that's really yeah. strange too. It's just yeah. like, yeah. that's it's not a cigarette. Like it's way too big yeah. and took and cost way more money than a, a cigarette to just tossed on the ground like it's nothing yeah that's true so, so what have you learned about yourself since you've become this brand owner of lampert i became way more patient <laughs> 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 yeah so yeah because uh, sometimes uh things are moving that fast that i want to so yeah you know i'm way way more patient so way way more relaxed than before because you know at, at some point you get used to i've heard that a lot i heard that patience is like one of the things that most people most people who go from being just consumers to actually brand owners like that's the one thing that they've learned or, or, or have had to learn is how to kind of become more patient and how oh, to yeah, take 100 percent. yes you have to become way way more patient uh otherwise you will go crazy I think patience sure. is one of those, those virtues and characteristics that we just don't even put a lot of value into anymore because we live in this fast paced internet digital world where we order something, we want it tomorrow. You know, we have an idea in yeah. our head, we want, it, we want it to become reality like tomorrow. But, you know, in business, it doesn't seem, you know, patience is, is how you win the game. Like you can't rush the process. And I know you can't rush making a cigar or bringing it to market because it will come out disastrous. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like a cigar needs time. Once cigar is made, cigar has to rest. Uh, you cannot bring it like immediately uh, into the market. It needs some cigar needs some rest to wet, to rest 100%. So as, as someone who likes to travel, kind of switching gears a little bit, like what's your favorite place to travel to? Uh, it depends, um, like, uh, in general or. Yeah. Like if you want on vacation somewhere, like what's your favorite vacation destination? Uh, I like, like, you know, like Central America from like Panama, Nicaragua, Dominican Republic, Costa Rica. I'm always around that area because you can smoke, you have the beach, you have good weather. I think it's good food, good seafood. Yeah, I think it's perfect. Yeah, I was just looking at a, I work for a magazine and we were um, doing a recap of the Pro Cigar Festival. And I was looking at pictures of it and I was like, oh, like the Dominican Republic, where it's like almost every day it seems to be sunny, a, a picturistic blue sky. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so different there. And like if you get near, if you can go to the ocean there, it's like a nice clear ocean. It's very calming. Um, oh yeah, to most places, and it's just like a completely different culture. Yeah, I think it's also a completely different life, a different lifestyle. It's like, uh, yeah, may like way more laid back, like relaxed. It's like you know, if you're on vacation there, you you feel you just feel great. You know, you can smoke a cigar. It's it's legal. It's no problem. You know, in certain countries, they actually it it is already like problem like smoking a cigar so in, in these countries you're fine yeah it's all about um i know we have this discussion with a lot of people but 
you know, the opportunity or the uh, ability for people to find the time to enjoy a cigar is just becoming like more harder because of all these smoking restrictions and because, you know, cigars are are getting caught up between uh, the whole debate between cigarettes and vapor. And it's like, we're all, in, there's fewer opportunities and fewer places for you to really enjoy a cigar these days, which is uh, unfortunate for a, a lot of people I know who, who enjoy smoking a cigar that you have to kind of sneak around sometimes to find, to find a yes. place to do so. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Like the main legal issue on like that whole thing is like, so uh, the main, they put like the main category, tobacco, tobacco, they put everything like cigarettes, cigars, everything is like under like that category. But you know, it should be uh, splitted. You know, you cannot say like, okay, cigarettes is the same as cigars. It's completely different. But you know, people that wrote that kind of legislation, they have no clue uh, about the difference. So for them, it's just like a tobacco product, but it has to be treated, in my opinion, on a legal perspective, uh, completely diff uh, different because they are in a cigar, there are no chemicals or whatsoever in the cigar. It's a natural product. It's like ha handmade. And with that cigarette, uh, it's completely different, but you know, they still put it like in the same category. And I think like that's, uh, a legal issue uh, because they have to distinguish usually, but they don't. And this causes a lot of problems um, because, you know, if something like is forbidden for cigarette, it's all, it's also for cigars because, you know, there is no distinction. Oh, I totally agree with that. I mean, if you look at it, um, just even the manufacturing process, a cigarette is manufactured completely different from a cigar and it's completely different from a vapor product or e-liquid yet it's all being treated the same and so it's just a strange situation uh to be in like if you're going to have regulations i feel like you should probably have regulations based on you know the specific products and how they're brought to market like we, we wouldn't uh regulate you know a pharmaceutical or you know medicine or in the, in the same way as we would you know, candy, <laughs> like yeah. it's just, it's just two different products. You might consume them both in the same way you might, you know, but it's just, it's a different product and different experience and different customers, but it's yeah. all treated here in the U S I don't know how it is in Europe, but no, it's like, uh, like even, uh, even like, uh, even stricter, uh, in, uh, in Europe. In certain countries, like they they shut down like all the cigar launches, so you're not allowed. For instance, in Austria, you're not allowed to smoke at any cigar launch. They shut it down. That's a wow. big issue. Yeah, it's uh, the reason why they uh, did it. They said, uh, "Okay, we want to protect uh, the employees because uh, you know it's not good." Uh, it's not healthy for them to go in into like that kind of like cigar lounge to serve uh, people to bring them drinks, and but you know what the what the politicians you know they enforce that law. What they forgot is like, look, you can also like offer the drinks like outside that lounge, and you can bring the cigar smoker can take that drink inside the lounge. But you know that's yeah, that's what they um, didn't. Um, uh, did what they didn't uh, didn't think about it. Yeah.
is yeah. what it is. I think you're starting to see that a lot here. Like some of the um, laws here in the U.S. are kind of mirroring that a little bit where they say, you know, employees, you know, we need to put them first in their health, which I agree to some extent. But at the same time, it's like these employees know what kind of environment that they're <laughs> they're not forced to work in these in these situations, yeah. you know, so it's not like I mean, I think they, they have some choice uh, in terms yeah. of where they want to work at. And they should know, hopefully, before they say, yeah, I want to work here, they know what what they're getting into. So it's just a strange like, situation. Like with, when you think about this, the cigar launch, uh, so who would usually go into a cigar launch? A cigar smoker, right? Uh, I've, and, you know, I don't know any person who would say, hey, let's go into a cigar to drink some coffee, but I'm a uh, non-smoker. No, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, it doesn't make sense. But, no, it doesn't. You know, usually, I mean, I, you know, for me, like smoking, you know, I don't like, like, uh, when I have dinner, I don't like that somebody next to me smokes. I'm not a big fan of it. But, you know, in a cigar lounge, it's, uh, I think, it, you know, that's, that's where you should smoke. Yeah, yeah, you would think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and yeah, I mean that that's a big that's a big problem. Uh, as you said, you know, the people who want who want to work at the cigar, they choose to work there. It's not like you're forced to work there. Exactly. Yeah. Um, looking at at your career path and the success that you've had, what somebody comes to you. And they ask you advice for they want to start their own company. It might not be a cigar brand or, or you know, that they just have an idea for a business. What would you advise them? Like, how should they get started on bringing their idea for a business into reality? Um, I think uh, when when you want to start a company, the, the main thing is like that the uh, that the legal structure at the beginning has to be safe, uh, has to be very safe and very clear uh, because that's uh, where you build. You know, you build on like uh, the fundamentals. They have to be like very, very clear. Otherwise, you know, it will break at some point. That's my advice. I think that's always that's very good advice, especially coming from a lawyer. So yeah. <laughs> that's extra good advice, you know. Um, in in terms of success, like when you look at, you know, how do you define success, and then how do you kind of measure success of your company? I think su success is uh, can be like defined like in different ways. Uh, but one one way I would say is like uh, success, like if the company grows, but not just the company, it can also be you as a person, you know, uh, grow, you, you know, uh, uh, you learned a lot, you, you just grow, you get more experience. That's also some success. It's just, just uh, always about the company. It's also about yourself, you know, that you know, you know, you success, like, you learn how this culture works. Not many people, for instance, uh, know that. That's also success. Success can be like in very, very defined in very, very different uh, ways. Um, so it's individual, but success can mean like, yeah, for person A can mean like this, and for person B can mean like that. That's it's very hard to like to have like a clear definition. What is success? Because success like 
for everyone is different. Everyone has different goals of what success. There could be like some standards, but it's very hard to be like, say, on the individual uh, side, what is success for someone himself or for the company. Going off of that, in terms of goals, like how do you, how do you track your goals? And then how do you kind of keep yourself accountable? Uh, yeah, so tracking goals. So usually uh, what what I do before, like every year in uh, in January, I write down some goals. What do I want to achieve this year? And in December, I will sit down before Christmas. I will sit down. Okay, look, look what you wrote in January. Did you achieve it? If not, okay, what uh, what went wrong? Uh, you have to uh, analyze the thing that that went wrong and how can you improve you know it makes you like the next year it makes you like even stronger uh, to achieve that goal like uh, to achieve it like double or something because you you learn you know I always say you know uh, mistakes are not bad usually uh, in general because mistakes you learn a lot uh, you know, at the beginning of our company, uh, I made like, to be honest, I made a lot of mistakes, like it costs like also money, but I learned, you know, I learned it's like that's experience, you know, that's, there's no value behind it because I made that mistake, but I will never make that mistake again. I think that's important too, because whenever we, whenever you hear these success stories in business. You rarely hear about the failures or mistakes. You know, people just like to focus on the good stuff. But without failures and mistakes, you know, like you, you can't have, in my opinion, you can't have some of the the good. You know, the good. No, you thing. cannot have success because you, you always have like uh, failures at, at the especially at the beginning. You know, we had like some uh, failures, mistakes, which like cross us back, and uh, we learn we learned about it uh, and that's uh we we thought about it hey uh, what went wrong how can we make it better and then we try to improve uh but that's you know that's the honest way you know there are always failure in in every in every company when you especially when you start it's like even you know if you are i don't know five years later there always will be a mistake always uh, there's always something wrong uh, something will go wrong but you learn from that nothing is perfect that's impossible. I think that's like probably that's probably our quotable moment for tonight. Yeah. <laughs> what you have to say there, because like I said, um, that's always such an important part of every business's story. So I wish more businesses and more entrepreneurs would be willing to share, you know, about those failures and mistakes because they learn from it and other people can also learn from it. So I yes. think that's, that's so important. So looking ahead is 2022, you already debuted a new product at TPE uh, earlier in, in January. What's ahead for your company? Like, what are you working on now? So we are working uh, for a special release uh, at the uh, P uh, PCA, um, but I don't want to say too much, but there's going to be something uh, really, really good co coming out at PCA working on that release. I, I, we hope that we will make it. Um, yeah, that's all I can say. I don't want to say too much. Just be excited. That's a good enough teaser. I know like we're, 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 
all kind of looking forward to the summer because that's when all the big cigar releases uh, seem to happen. So I think it's great now that we have lots of companies like yours introducing products in January. And now we have them also in the summertime. So you kind of get like a double whammy uh, in terms of uh, new releases if you're a consumer, which is awesome these days. Yes. So we usually try to release at, uh, at TP and at PCA something uh, new, something special. Uh, so, you know, that people are excited. People also, uh, you know, that um, it's just like uh, it's a great opportunity to release uh, at TP or PCA because that's the place to be in the world. Yeah, definitely. So what you know for people who are watching this they've seen this banner like the whole time but for people who are listening i think you'll be the best person to do this how how can people follow you and follow your company and find out more information like what's the website they need to follow what's the social media that they need to yeah. kind of um so, pay attention? yeah just follow us uh on instagram lampert cigars or uh worldwide web lampertcigars.com that's where you find all information sign up for our newsletter um you will get like uh you are updated we update you like on a monthly basis usually uh what's coming what's going on uh, and on instagram you see our new products uh also some spoiler alarms uh if you if you look at our stories yeah just follow us and you know feel free to uh share your thoughts we always reply on uh, on instagram um yeah um that's how we stay in touch with people now as as the last question for tonight um i want to ask you what uh what's the best piece of business advice that you've received and who gave you that advice? <laughs> the best, uh, I mean, there were like, I, I, I wouldn't say there's like one best uh, business advice. It's like a puzzle. Many mm -hmm. people like uh, give you like an advice and give you like a little piece and you build like the whole puzzle for yourself because you turn it into your business. Uh, that's how I would say. There's no like, best advice because there are like many many uh best advices actually and this gives you like the, the this gives you like the full picture all these like great advice there's no I, I wouldn't say that's the best advice they are like we got like many many great advices that gives us like the yeah a great picture of the business how we should act that's yeah that's what i would say is that then to kind of flip that a little bit what's the last big thing that you've had to learn in order to do your job better? Um, in order to do what I have to learn, I mean, there are many things I have to learn. It's like, uh, just, just, uh, recently I have to learn like, uh, how we can improve, uh, the supply chain, especially, you know, during that time, uh because um like because we are now based in europe and you know that kind of war is like uh 500 miles away right now so and we we are just learning how we can avoid because uh apparently like all the the frights like 
everything will go up like crazy. And that's, uh, that's what we are learning right now to your question. Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, we're, we're come to the end of our hour together. I know it, it seemed to go pr pretty quickly, but it was a great conversation. I want to thank you for, for coming on today and spending an hour and 20 seconds <laughs> and counting <laughs> uh, with me today and with our, our listeners and watchers. Um, hope like we'll, we'll have to do this again, maybe after uh, PCA to kind of catch up with you. Please. And, yes. And thank you very much. It was fantastic. Awesome. Like, so yeah. I want to thank everyone for, for watching and listening to this. Um, for those of you who have, maybe this is your first time listening to Deep Cuts, uh, you can catch all the episodes on deepcutslive.com. We're also on all the um, podcasting um, platforms like Apple Podcasts and Spotify and iHeartRadio and all that, all those other things. So you can find us everywhere. We're on YouTube. Um, if you're listening to this uh, or watching this on YouTube or Facebook, make sure you hit that like button or the follow button. Um, and we have new shows coming out from now on, from now through the end of the month. We have two shows a week, so I will be very busy. <laughs> uh, this is the first week we're trying to get back into it, but uh, we have um, almost every week we have two shows except for one week, which we might fill that space. So. Um, You'll have even more people like Stefan here to come on and tell you about their business and brands. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. And like I said, thank you all for listening. Thank you all for watching. Thank you again, Stefan, for coming on. Like I said, thank you very much. Thank you, everyone. Uh, appreciate it. It's uh, I love what you're doing. Keep doing it. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you. And we have another show coming up on Tuesday. It will be Michael Herklotz. So. That's a pretty big one for those of you who want to watch and tune in. Um, there'll be more about that on Facebook. And until then, thank you. Have a good night. Have a good morning if you're listening to this in the morning. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs>